scripture reading will be coming from 1 Peter. First Peter chapter five, verses six and seven. First Peter five, six and seven. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. morning. It's wonderful to be with you this morning. I appreciate that you chose to be here to, to continue to worship God with us. This morning, I want to talk a little bit about casting. I like to fish. A lot of us like to fish. I'm going to be in trouble. I brought my son's fishing pole. When I was a young man, when it, when it came time for me to learn to fish, my dad took me, my grandfather, we'd go, and they said, okay, it's real simple. You put the bait on, you push the button, you put it back over your head, and you throw it. I spent a lot of time going, smack, dropping my bait directly into the water. I had to learn. I had to learn how to get better. I had to learn that we had a goal, an aim for being there. It wasn't just to have a good time, but to learn. To be spending time together. This morning, if you would, let's turn over to 1 Peter. Peter spends time writing to a group of people who were going through hard times. Difficult persecutions. They were, they were beat down and they were being drugged out of their homes. They were being persecuted, put to death, all for the name of Christ. And Peter would write to them beginning in chapter 1, explaining and trying to hold them to the fact that God still loves them. Oftentimes, and I'm guilty of it, I make God about this big, right? And I'll put him in my pocket. And I'll say, I got this. God, you just ride in my pocket. I'm here to tell you this morning, there's not a pocket on the face of this earth that's big enough to hold his pinky toe in it. We teach our kids in pew packers, my God is so big, so strong, so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Peter, Peter began in chapter 1 reminding them of that God, reminding them of a hope, reminding them of the aim that they were supposed to hold to. Look, look with chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, if you will, with me for just a few minutes as we begin this morning. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. He chose us. He reserved a place for us. He made it perfect. People that are going through rough times need to hear that. That we have a God who has taken care of everything else. We may be going through it right now, but when it's over with, 
going to be so much better. So much better. Continue down in chapter 1. Look at verses 18 through 21. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish, without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Carl did a great job during our communion meditation of pointing us to the numerous names of Jesus and showing us his love and his desire to be that sacrifice for us. Paul's reminding the people, you're bought with a price. Don't, don't give in to the things that go on in this world. Hold fast to him. He cares for you. Turn over to chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. As we continue to build this idea of God caring for us. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who have not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. God cares for us. He chose us. He made us royalty. He gave us access to him as priests. He loves and cares for each one of us. Not just ones that are sitting in this building. Not those that are just members of the church throughout the world. Everyone drawing a breath of air today. He cares for you. He wants to have a relationship with us. Adam did a great job pointing it out last week that he bridged the gap. We made the gap. We continue to make it wider. But his son's blood is a never-ending fountain. It's one that reaches to us, and it's one that once we become a child of his, we can't get out of unless we choose it. He paid the price for us. He chose us. He continually chooses us. He cares for us in all things. This morning, I want to look at what 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 tells us about God. He truly desires for us to talk to Him. He truly desires for us to be in constant communication. He gave us a perfect means of that communication, that avenue of prayer. As we look at his word this morning, I want to see three great thoughts from 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Number one, a great God. What does the passage tell us about God? Number two, what does a great cast look like? It's not the one where you slap the bait in the water. It's the one that flies perfectly. And lastly, what a great catch. What are we provided when we do it correctly? So number one, let's talk about a great God. Let's turn back to the verse, 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting your care upon him, for he cares for you. Three words in there stuck out to me as I began to look and prepare to speak to you today. Three words. Mighty. 
exalter, care. We established that he cares for us in the introduction. But look at that idea of a mighty God. I'm taken back to Genesis 1.1. I'm taken back to the fact that in the beginning it was dark. There was nothing there. And God said, let there be light. He didn't snap his fingers. He didn't clap his hands. He didn't have to make a concoction to have light appear. He spoke it into existence. In the kids' classes, we've been looking at Noah and the flood for the last few weeks. Man man continued to grow and evil was in his heart continually. God was sorrowful that he had made them and he destroyed the earth. He destroyed it with water. It was nothing for him. He opened the floods from the heavens and from the seas and he completely covered the earth in 40 days with water. He's a mighty God. He can do whatever he wants. Perhaps his mightiest act. If we look at chapter 1, verse 21 again. Who through him, believing God, who raised him, Jesus, from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. His mightiest act proving that he had power over death. The book of Acts is full of reminders of the fact that God raised Jesus. And he will raise us as well if we are faithful children of his. Turn with me to Acts chapter 13 and verse 30 this morning. Acts 13 and verse 30 as we look at this mighty God. But God raised him from the dead. When we think of the things that God has might over, we see it here. We see that he has might over creation. We see that he has might over death. We see that he, even back to Exodus chapter 7 through 12, we see that he has might to change the minds of men. He, he used the plagues to get his people from, out of Egypt. He showed one who thought he was a god what a true god looks like. Pharaoh at those times would, would set themselves up to the point that they would be the one that were worshipped. God proved, I'm bigger than this man. I'm so much bigger than this man. But not only is he a mighty God, he's an exalter. Back in chapter 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. He exalts. He's one who sets up above. He chose us. If you remember in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. He chose us. He made us royalty through his son's blood. He's an exalter. He's one who sets us up. We think about Christ in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13. Uh, a quotation of Psalms 110, where he said at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. He exalted Christ. Turn over, if you will, to the Old Testament, to Joshua chapter 3. In the book of Joshua, especially the first couple of chapters, we see Moses still around. But his time on this earth has come to an end. The man who, who went before Pharaoh, who who led the people out of Egypt, who 
judged them in the wilderness, who led them and kept the people. He's gone. And Joshua now has to fill his shoes. You can imagine, he's a little nervous. But in Joshua chapter 3, verse 7, the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel, that, you may, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. He exalted him. He set him up. He said, I've got you. Continue to lead them. I will guide you where you need to go. He's an exalter. I think of the Beatitudes, if you would, turn to Matthew chapter 5. Each one of these, a selfless attitude, a selfless thought that Christ gives to the people in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Each one of them comes with a reward. Each one of them comes with, you did this, you held fast. Here's your crown of life, Revelation 2.10. He's an exalter. He's mighty, he's an exalter, and as we pointed out, he cares for us. He called us, he chose us, he made us royalty, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. We can see through the entirety of God's word. He is held to his plan. He is a mighty one who exalts his people because he cares for us and has a desire to be in a relationship with us. When it was perfect in the garden, he enjoyed it. He was with man. He was with creation. He, he, he was with the one who he took and formed out of sand and breathed into his nostril. And he gives us the hope of that again through sending his son. When we think of this idea of casting our cares on him because he cares for us, there's a right way to do it. The text gives us that right way. Turn back again to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Number two, what does a great cast consist of? Three things. Number one is done humbly. If you look in verse five, just above verse six, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. We can't come before his throne with pride. We can't come before his throne saying, God, you're this big, when we know he's not. We can't put him in our pocket and say, God, I got this. I just want you to know about it. That's not, that's not the way it works. He knew about it before you even brought it to him. But we've got to come before him humbly. I think about Christ as he prayed in the garden, Matthew 26, 39. He was on his face. He begged. He pleaded. He knew the suffering that he would have to endure. He knew the separation that he would have to take because of the sin that he would soon carry on his shoulders. And he humbly bowed before the Father and he said, If it be your will, let this cup pass from me. 
but not my will, but yours be done. He is our perfect example in everything, Christ is. And so when we see Him come before the Father, even in the model prayer, we see His humility. We see humility. We know we need to have it when we go before the Father. The attitude is humble. A great cast next consists of persistence. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. We can't give up. We can't stop. We didn't, we didn't stop praying for Miss Elaine because she had a good day. We continue on. We didn't stop praying for Miss Margaret because she was here with us last week. We continue on. We didn't stop praying because Brother Eddie is sitting here with us this morning that his eye will continue to heal. We got to keep going. We've got to be persistent in prayer, constantly going before his throne. I'm reminded of the Old Testament character, Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He didn't do anything without talking to God first. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. In Nehemiah chapter 1, he begins to mourn and pray as he hears the state of Jerusalem. The walls are broken down. The gates are burned with fire. In 1 verse 4, I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. For many days, the text says, he fasted and prayed. He went before God persistently. He doesn't stop there. If we continue on through Nehemiah's life, he, even in verses 5 through the end of chapter 1, is an example of one of those prayers that he prays for boldness, for strength. When he has opportunity to take it, chapter 2 sees Nehemiah in his day job, if you will. He's a cupbearer for the king. And he stands before the king with a sad countenance about him. He stands before the king, and the king says, Are you sick? Do I really need to take this cup from you? And he says, before he answers the king, he prays. Chapter 2, verse 4. What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. He was persistent. As they continued to be granted the opportunity to go and rebuild the walls and the gates of Jerusalem, they, they ran into different obstructions. That didn't stop Nehemiah from going to the Father. He prayed in chapter 4 that these men who were hindering them, that their sins would not be forgotten before God. He continued as they built the wall and felt the hindrance in chapters 4, 5, and 6. He steadfastly went to the Father. He prayed without ceasing. He knew who the strength came from, and it was from God. So we pray humbly, we pray persistently, and lastly, we pray specifically. Matthew 26, 39, again, Jesus was specific when he went before the Father. He said, Father, take this from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Turn to John 17 with me as we see that prayer again. John 17, and each, as he went through this prayer and he prayed to the Father, it was specific. 
it was for somebody. We look at chapter 17 and first portion, verses 1 through 5, he prays for himself. Glorify me as I have glorified you. I have finished the task you've given me, Father. I've done what you've told me to do. In the next section, he prays for his apostles, for his disciples, for those who were closest to him, that they would continue, that they would be kept, that they would be unified, that they would continue on preaching and showing his love and his word to those who were in the world. He prays for their protection. And lastly, at verses 20 through 24, he prays for us, those who would believe because of their testimony. We have it written down for us. He was specific. James chapter 5 Verses 14 and 16 deal with specifically in prayer when you're in need, when you're sick. We can pray at all times when we're happy, when we're sad, when we're in a, when we're in a bad way. We have one who hears us when we do it right, when we're humble, when we're persistent, when we're specific, when we come before his throne. And when we do it right, just like when we cast right, we have a great catch. What do we get when we do it right? When we come before the Father correctly, we gain hope. Turn to Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. Romans 15 and verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we come before Him, when we, do, when we cast our cares on Him correctly, we can gain hope. We can gain strength. Ephesians 6 verse 10, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. He would go on to finish that section, Paul would, in the letter to the church at Ephesus, showing them that he cares for us. He gives us our battle armor to go out into the world with. But he says, you draw strength from him. When we cast our cares on him, we, get, we, get, we derive hope, we derive strength, and last, we derive comfort. We establish that he cares for us. He's cared for us from the beginning. Before time. I don't know that it happened. But I could see it. Him, Jesus, the Holy Spirit sitting around the table. Saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to create the earth. They're going to mess it up. Jesus, we're going to need you to step in. He said, I got this. He cares for us. He cares for us enough that he sent his son to die in our stead. He cares for us enough that he gave us a way back to him. When we cast our cares upon him, we can know that we're going to receive hope, strength, and comfort. He's going to see us through times. He's going to guide us because that's what he does. 
He is the mighty God. He is the exalter. He is the one who has cared for us from the beginning and continues to watch over us. This morning, are you a part of his family? Have you humbly bowed before him and said, you are the great I am. I believe that your son did come to this earth and he lived a perfect life and that he died for me. Have you contacted his blood in baptism? Have you been raised to walk in newness of life? If not, we have an opportunity this morning. Are you one of his children? Have you been struggling? You think about the world that we live in today. They need a message of hope. We need to be the ones that are radiating light and love to the world around us. Man, it's rough. Everybody today seems to have something else that they put their hope and faith and trust in. We've got to be the ones that point him back to God. This morning, if you need anything from this congregation, please come while we, together we stand and sing. <laughs>